Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi, and welcome to the Inner Life today here on this Monday. I'm Josh Raymond, and let me ask you, what is the favorite present that you've ever received? Uh, Was it something for a birthday, maybe for Christmas, perhaps for some other special occasion? Something from your childhood that you got, maybe? Or was it something fairly recent in the past few years? And what made that gift so special for you? Now, when my wife, Baylen, and I, when we'd been married just for a few years, very early in our marriage, we moved to our first house. We'd been renting before that. We had an apartment, then we moved into a duplex, and we finally bought our very first house. And this was in Salem, Oregon. We were living there at the time. We moved into this little three-bedroom, one-bathroom home, and it was the late in the summer of 2001. And toward the end of that year, for Christmas, for our very first Christmas in our first house as a married couple, I wanted to get something special, something memorable for Baylen. And when she was younger, Baylen had been part of a gymnastics team. She also played volleyball and softball through high school, but her first love, it was always gymnastics. And anytime she talked about it, she just, you know, her eyes would light up. She'd tell me these stories of some of the trips that her team made for the different meets they'd go to, about how she would go to this summer camp for gymnastics every year. She just loved it. And so since we had our own house now with our own backyard with a fence around it, I decided to buy Baylen one of those big outdoor trampolines. And I found a 12-foot trampoline at a pretty reasonable price at one of those sporting goods stores. But those big trampolines, they come in big boxes. And I'd guess that this box was probably about two feet wide by about two feet deep, but it was probably five to six feet long and and fairly heavy too. And now you can't hide a box like that for Christmas. You can't hide it just in the back corner of a closet or, you know, behind some books on the bookshelf. Uh, And I'm not giving away my best hiding spots here for (laughs) for gifts, but uh, you can't hide that in some small place. And so we had at this house a little workshop that was detached from the rest of the house. And so I, I put it there in one of the corners and kind of camouflaged it amongst other boxes and other things, just, you know, clutter things that get stored in a workshop. And hoping that it would just blend in, that Baylen wouldn't notice it. And thankfully... She didn't notice it. So on Christmas Eve, we ended up going to the Midnight Mass at the local parish there, St. Joseph's. And at that time, I was the production director for a radio station, and I wasn't making much in the way of salary. Anybody who has worked in media probably knows that when you start out, uh, you're making pennies uh, there at the very beginning. And so after, uh, uh, you know, my salary for working as a production director, Baylen said, well, let me do something small that'll just add a little extra to what we're bringing in. 
And so she ended up doing a paper route and, you know, brought in a little bit extra, helped us just, you know, make things a little more comfortable. And after getting home from midnight mass there on Christmas Eve, early, you know, wee hours of Christmas morning, Belen decided, well, I'm going to just stay up for another hour or so and I'll try and get the paper route done early. And so I stayed up with her. And after she left, that's when I went to work on hauling that huge, that large trampoline box into our living room. But... I hadn't considered how much wrapping paper you need to cover that size of a box. And thankfully, I was able to find one large roll that it had enough paper left that I could get it around the whole box, you know, wrapped it around two or three times uh, the whole thing and then patched up uh, little areas on the ends where the paper didn't quite reach. But the box was then too large to go under the Christmas tree. And I thought about trying to lift up the entire tree. I mean, it was a little modest Christmas tree, but, you know, trying to lift it up and set the stand and the lights and the ornaments, everything there on the box. But then I just thought, oh, if that falls over, it's going to make a mess. And so I decided better of that. So I finally settled on just shoving it in front of the couch. And it took up the whole length of the front of our couch almost there in our living room. At that point, I said, all right, let me try and go to bed. Let me try and get a little sleep before waking up for Christmas morning. And I think it was somewhere around 3 or 4 in the morning by this point. But I ended up only getting maybe two hours of sleep at the best because as soon as Baylen got back home, she saw that box in our living room, and she runs into our bedroom, and she starts just bouncing on the bed, shaking me, shaking my arm, my shoulder, trying to wake me up, and, and she's hounding me. What is in that box? What did you get? That is enormous. Where did you hide that? What, what did you get me for Christmas? And she said, no, there's no way she's going to go to sleep. She's not. Uh, no, we got to open presents right now. Now, just a few hours ago today, I ended up asking Baylen. I said, you remember that, of course, you know, what are your memories of that Christmas? And she said, it was definitely one of the most exciting Christmas mornings she's ever had as an adult. Seeing that huge wrapped Christmas present in our living room, it made her feel like a little kid. The anticipation, the curiosity, you know, just the excitement there of what that gift could be. And then when she did unwrap it, you know, she was excited, too. Again, her love of gymnastics, she was delighted at the thought of doing those somersaults and those flips on that trampoline out in our backyard. But that's the way that gifts should be, right? They should be fun. They should be great. They should be something that brings that excitement for us. Now, coming up this Sunday, we'll be celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. That's the birthday of the church, and it's where the apostles, they first received the Holy Spirit, and since it's the birthday of the church, what birthday is complete without some gifts? Now, just like the original apostles, if you've been baptized, then you've received the same Holy Spirit. And if you've received the sacrament of confirmation, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives each one of us gifts. Do you know what those gifts of the Holy Spirit are? Well, today we're going to look at when the apostles and Mary, Jesus' mother, along with the other followers of Jesus, they were there waiting after the ascension, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And we want to have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and what those gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, what those gifts are, and how we can use them in our lives so that we can better love and better serve Christ. So how have you experienced one of those gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? Again, do you even know what those are? Well, helping us look at this today is one of the regular voices here on The Inner Life, Father Ed Broom. He's a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, and he serves as the associate pastor at St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. And Father Broom, it's so nice to have you back here on The Inner Life today, and I hope you had a nice Ascension Sunday. And again, it's the last week we get to say, Happy Easter. Yes. 
Great. Uh, yeah, the gift of the Holy Spirit, very beautiful story you started off with, Josh. Great story, gifts. Yes, um, when we're baptized, we receive so many gifts. We become a son of God. We receive the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. We receive also the moral virtues of justice, prudence, temperance, and fortitude. But also, once we're baptized, we receive the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Many people believe that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with the sacrament of confirmation, which is not true. You actually receive these gifts at baptism, and then confirmation fortifies these gifts. Um, most people, I notice, don't really know what the gifts are. They might be able to get one or two. So I'll just go through the... Um, the seven gifts, and then we'll be able to talk about them. So once the child is baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, these gifts are planted in the soul of this individual, and they are wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. Those are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Probably one of the best writers on these gifts explaining them is St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor. And he says, the greatest of these gifts is wisdom. And then Thomas says this, very interesting, how the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, they perfect our intellect as well as our will. And three perfect the intellect then one is a bridge between the intellect and the will, and the last three perfect our will. And that would be, what perfects our intellect? Wisdom. Knowledge and understanding that perfects our intellect. Then the bridge between the intellect and the will is the gift of counsel, which perfects the moral virtue of prudence. Then the last three, which would be fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord, those perfect our will. Therefore, if we allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be operative in us, then the Holy Spirit will help us to become holy. He'll help us to become saints. For that reason, Pope... uh, St. John the 23rd said that he says this that the saints are the masterpieces of the Holy Spirit. So, Josh, in kind of a nutshell, that would be an explanation of the seven gifts. Uh, three of them perfect our intellect, is the bridge between the intellect and the will, is that of counsel. The other three perfect our will. So, if we're open to them, we're on the highway to heaven. We're on the highway to heaven. We're able to live out what Jesus says. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, as you're going through that list there, and the ones that inform our intellect, the ones that uh, are for our will and that bridge there, counsel, um, with this, I guess one of the thoughts that I have is... Do we experience those all immediately then? I mean, is it just if you're baptized as an infant, is it something that you just have in your in yourself innately by virtue of your baptism? Or is there 
is it like they're just sitting there waiting to be tapped into, but you have to take the initiative to go ahead and exercise those gifts? You know, I mean, if somebody gives me a bicycle as a gift and I don't ride it, if it just sits in the garage, you know, or, you know, back in, in a shed someplace and I never use it, well, I've, it's there, but I've, I've never received the benefit, you know, the fun, the, the exercise, the, you know, getting from point A to point B. I don't get any of that. So is there a part that's reliant on us, or is it really just all from the Holy Spirit and where we are is where we are, and that's, that's what we have? That's a great question. And uh, I could respond to this uh, on a personal note. Your, your wife, she was probably a very good gymnast, but she probably had to practice long hours to be able to arrive at being a real expert in that sport. Uh, the same thing you might say about learning to speak a language. You have to practice. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I played a lot of uh, baseball, and uh, I pitched an old hitter in Pony League there in Jersey because he had practiced probably a thousand times throwing the curveball. So a uh, lot, lot of times in many people, these gifts, they're dormant or latent, latent because they're not exercised. It's like uh, also if you lift, if you, if you lift weights, uh, you lift weights, you start to form muscles, otherwise your muscles turn into flab. These gifts definitely, Josh, they definitely, they have to be exercised. As, as the young people today say, you don't use it, you lose it. These are potencies that have to be, in the words of Aristotle and Aquinas, they have to be activated. So that's a great question. And I think a lot of people have this um, this nuclear spiritual energy that's latent within, but it has to be elicited forth by the practice of these wonderful, wonderful gifts. So another thought that comes to mind here, too, as we're talking about this is with we also hear about the fruits of the holy spirit and i think it might be good to differentiate sometimes we might find ourselves glossing over well there's gifts but there's fruits these are two different categories here that we're talking about um can you kind of help us understand the difference between the two sure uh the the, the seven gifts of the holy spirit are planted within our souls now if we collaborate with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're open, we're docile to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then we experience, this is Thomas Aquinas once again, an interior sweetness within our soul, which would be peace and joy and patience and chastity and modesty. Those would be the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So the, the experience of the fruits are dependent upon us in collaborating and opening our hearts to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Very good. Our spiritual director today, Father Ed Broom, he's a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, and we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Have you experienced those gifts in your own life, and how has receiving those gifts of the Holy Spirit, how has it helped you in your relationship with Christ? Has it allowed you to be like those apostles in the early church where it's helped you as you've been trying to introduce others to Christ, bring others to Christ? We'd love to hear how the Holy Spirit has been at work in your life, how you've experienced those gifts of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, 
counsel, fortitude, the fear of the Lord, the piety, how you've grown in those. Or maybe you're just kind of taking some first steps in exercising those muscles, as Father Broom was talking about. You can call our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com, and we'll continue the conversation here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom, a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary and associate pastor at St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. And we're talking today about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we can grow in those gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit, how we can exercise those in our lives so that we can be better Christians, better Catholics, that we can live out our faith to a better degree and uh, better love and serve Christ through those gifts that have been given to each one of us by our baptism. And our studio line here, if you have any questions about any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or maybe how you have been able to live those out in your life, how you've been able to grow in those gifts, uh, our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Now, Father Broom, uh, we, we've kind of gone through and given the list of the different uh, gifts of the Spirit there. And some of them, you know, when we hear them, we'll say, well, I, I know generally what that means, but it might be good to walk through and give a little bit more explanation on some of the different seven gifts that you mentioned there. Um, so starting with wisdom, maybe, can you explain to us what we mean when we talk about wisdom? Because there's, you know, sometimes we'll say, well, you know, somebody's smart, but they're not wise. But what does true wisdom from the Holy Spirit, that gift, what does that mean for us in our lives as Catholics? Great question. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, explains these gifts really well. And he says that wisdom is the greatest of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The first one in operation is usually fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And a succinct Thomistic definition of wisdom would be the following. To relish the things of God. If you like a biblical verse, taste and see the goodness of God. To relish the things of God. Therefore, how is this manifested in our lives? Well, if you have a desire to pray, that's a manifestation of wisdom. If you have a desire to go to Mass and to listen to the Word of God, and to the explanation of the Word of God, that's also the gift of wisdom. If you have a desire to open up the Bible and to read the Gospels, you have a real hunger and thirst 
in reading the Word of God and you're relishing the Word of God and like the Blessed Virgin Mary, you're pondering the Word of God in your, in your heart. That's a manifestation also of wisdom. If um, someone says, you know, uh, there's an opening so you can make a weekend retreat in preparation for Pentecost and your spouse gives you permission, you make a weekend retreat, you're looking forward to that weekend retreat the whole week because, you know, in that retreat you're going to hear some good talks. You'll be able to spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. You'll be able to pray your rosary. You'll be able to make a good confession to cleanse your soul. That's a manifestation of wisdom also. Or you start to read the lives of the saints. The saints were the ones who were really open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially wisdom. Those are manifestations of wisdom. Now, the opposite of wisdom would be that would be that of folly, and um, I think the best biblical verse I've come across manifesting the opposite of wisdom is the parable of the rich fool. It's a parable in which a man has an abundant harvest, and he doesn't know what to do because there's no space in his barns. So he does some brainstorming and comes to the conclusion that he's going to have to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. And then he says, my soul, relax. Eat, drink, and live it up because you have a long life to live. Jesus says to this man, you're a fool because this very day your life will be taken. Therefore, Two other verses that help us to understand the gift of wisdom is, is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be given to you beside. And what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and he lose his soul? One human example I'd like to give is this. Um, try to imagine, Josh, that you say to your kids, Okay, behave well, and me and Mom are going to be taking you to Baskin-Robbins. So you get in your car, and your kids are they're just waiting to get to Baskin-Robbins, and they order a double-decker, double okay? And you can see them relishing that ice cream cone. So as they relish the ice cream cone, the gift of wisdom is when we relish all these things that are related to God, a prayer, the sacraments, meditation on the Word of God, making a good retreat. So this is the foundation for all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, that of wisdom. That's where Thomas Aquinas says, wisdom actually perfects charity, and charity happens to be the greatest of all the virtues. We're going to be judged at the end of our life on whether, whether or not we've loved God or not. So that's kind of, in a, in a nutshell, an explanation of the gift of wisdom. Sure. So now, looking at that, then, there's that and the other two, understanding and knowledge that you explained inform our intellect. How would you—I I mean, when I think of those three, they all three seem very, very kind of intertwined together. You know, they're talking about the same thing, maybe from different angles, as I'm thinking about it. But I, I don't know if that's correct. Uh, what, what differentiates understanding sure. and knowledge from wisdom? Yes, Josh, as, as a catechist for many, many years, explaining 
the difference between because it's hard work. But understanding would be this. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a biblical example. Okay, the apostles are, rather the disciples in Luke chapter 24, are walking toward Emmaus. And they're walking, they're confused, they're somewhat depressed, and Jesus comes, and what he does is he listens to them, then he opens up his mouth and explains the biblical verses that referred to him. So they're walking in darkness and, and in desolation when they're heading toward Emmaus. But when Jesus comes and walks with them, he listens to them, and then he explains the word of God to them. That would be understanding. Then, after they see Jesus present, in the breaking of the bread, so they got they got up and they went back to Jerusalem, and they tell the apostles that they saw Jesus in the breaking of the bread, and their hearts burned within them. As they're speaking, Jesus appears to them and says Shalom. And then Jesus it says that Jesus opened up their minds so that they could understand the word of God. So understanding is related to understanding the Word of God, the Bible, but also in understanding doctrine, understanding our catechism. So that would be understanding. Now, knowledge is is the following. It's uh, having the mystical eyes to be able to see God present in nature, as well as in the circumstances of our life. For example, Josh, think about what do you love most in nature. One of the things I love is I just love the sun. If I look at the sun rising, it makes me think about Jesus rising from the dead. It makes me think about me elevating the host in the Mass. So behind the sun, I, I can see a Eucharistic symbol. Or... The sun is basically, it's a ball of fire. When I look at the sun, I think about, in physics, the sun has two properties. It has, it has light and heat. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does in us. He enlightens our intellect so that we can know the truth. And he sets our hearts on fire with the love of God. So the person that has the gift of knowledge is able to see God present in nature, but also he's able to see God present in the circumstances of our life. I've told people more than once, if you want to get me angry, say, good luck, Father Broom. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe in luck. Right. I believe in what is called divine providence. <laughs> Nothing happens by chance. So if you have the gift of knowledge... You are a contemplative in action, and as the Greek poet, St. Paul, quotes, in him we live and move and have our being. That you're living in the presence of God, and the things that happen, the natural beauty you can see behind the beauty of creation, you can see the Creator himself, and then things that happen in your life, uh, joys but also crosses, you're able to come to the awareness that God is behind that. 
So those are the three of the um, the virtues that perfect the, the intellect. And I'm, I'm glad you asked it because it's not always easy to differentiate between wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Well, and then let's kind of go back to what you were talking about. You know, if... if uh we have these gifts. We have to be willing to exercise them. So let's say that I'm somebody who, you know, I want to I want to grow in wisdom, and I want to grow in that understanding. I want to grow in that knowledge, but I'm not sure where to start. Um, obviously, we can pray. We can pray that, you know, Holy Spirit, guide me to where I can exercise these and I can grow in these gifts that you have given me, with which you've blessed me. Uh, what are some other practical things that we can do in our lives to help grow in these gifts? Good question. Uh, the first thing I would say is this, and um, I spend a lot of time doing this every day, is sometimes these gifts might be um, stagnant or stultified or even paralyzed because we might not be in the state of grace. So if we... Um, if we commit, you know, a mortal sin, we actually lose the state of grace. So I think making a good sacramental confession, and it wouldn't be a bad idea sometime during this this week in which we're in the novena to the Holy Spirit to make a good sacramental confession. Because a sacramental confession basically cleanses the interior windowpane of our soul such that the these gifts of the Holy Spirit can become much more operative. The next I would say is very, very important that we cultivate a prayer life. One of the verses that um, I like most related to the Holy Spirit in prayer is uh, St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8. Here's the great apostle Paul who says, we do not know how to pray as we ought but it's the Holy Spirit that intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba, Abba, which means Father. Then I, I never tire in insisting upon uh, Catholic Christians that are interested in really growing in their spiritual life. We all have to have some type of uh, periodic spiritual direction. Because if we don't have spiritual direction, we, we, all, we all have blind spots. And I think a good spiritual director can help us to um, make a real concerted effort to grow in our spiritual life. And the last thing I would say is uh, part of the uh, charism of the Oblates is we try to promote reading good literature, is to read a really good book on the Holy Spirit. And one of the books that I that, that I fell upon about three years ago is uh, by the author Jacques Philippe. Maybe you've heard of him, Jacques Philippe. And he wrote a really good book, and it's called The School of the Holy Spirit. And the essence of that book, The School of the Holy Spirit, is if we want to become saints, then we have to be docile. Okay, not resistant. We have to be docile to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So those are uh, some of the ways, and I think Josh is going to be bringing this up a little bit later, but I never tire of trying to insist upon the relationship between Mary and the Holy Spirit. Because right. 
Mary is the daughter of God the Father, the mother of God the Son, and Mary is the mystical spouse of the Holy Spirit. So that would be five or six suggestions to help us to really open up to the Holy Spirit. You know, the other thing, that, as I'm thinking here, you mentioned the book by Jacques Philippe, but almost any spiritual reading that we do, another component I think that is really important in that, Father Broom, is where you give yourself some time in silence to just think and reflect upon what you've read. Because if you're exposing yourself to new ideas or new thoughts about how we can grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, with Jesus, giving us that time to reflect and meditate upon those and mull over from different angles— uh, that's so important. I, I remember years ago hearing about how uh, Albert Einstein, if he had something he was trying to work through, some some problem, whether it was with physics or, you know, whatever he was dealing with, that people would talk about how they'd walk past and he would just be sitting at his desk in his chair, not not writing, not reading, not doing anything, but just sitting there thinking. And he'd just be mulling over that problem, whatever it was in his mind, until he could come up with whatever the answer was. But I think that's really important in our own lives. When we have those different ideas, those different thoughts that, you know, we're exposed to from other spiritual giants that have gone before us, it's good to give ourselves that time, not just to read and get through the next book and the next book and say, well, I'm working on trying to, you know, grow in that wisdom and that knowledge and that that understanding. But I, I also need to give myself time to think about all those things that I'm taking in uh, as I'm reading. Definitely. And uh, I often quote uh, Fulton Sheen, one of my favorites, uh, Fulton Sheen, at the end of his life after he retired as a bishop. He dedicated the last few years of his life doing exactly that. He would organize retreats for priests and bishops, and he'd always insist upon that, that silent time that they'd have to have to reflect, to mull it over, to meditate, to ponder, to ruminate. He insists a lot upon what was called the holy hour, and he he said that the holy hour is the hour of power that can really transform us into real men of God. So, yeah, I, Josh, I think one of our problems in the modern world is, is activism. You know, John Paul II calls it horizontalism. I sometimes like to call it Marthaism. <laughs> and there you have Mary and Martha. Martha is working a mile a minute, and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's listening to Jesus. She's talking right. to Jesus. And she is simply contemplating the face of Jesus. So, yeah, we, we have to have some time of silence and we can reflect upon the purpose of our existence, why we're here, where we're going, and how to get there. So, yeah, I, I give, um, you probably know that I'm, I give Ignatian retreats from 30 days to two-day retreats, and I've written out a program. So I'm very, very much on board with you when you're saying people have to have time to ponder and reflect as uh, as they say, uh, Socrates says, uh, a life that is not examined is a life that's not worth living. Right. The Desert Fathers have a two-word axiom, know thyself. And the famous historian says, he who does not know history is condemned to repeat the same errors. So, uh, yeah, it's important that we have time, our, our silent time, to be able to reflect so the Holy Spirit can start to take possession of our minds, our hearts, and our wills, yeah. Our spiritual director today, Father Ed Broom, an oblate of the Virgin Mary, a priest with uh, that religious community, and we're talking about the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, what those gifts are, 
how we can understand them, how we can grow in them, and how have you experienced those gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? We've talked about the ones that inform our intellect, the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, but also those that uh, help us then to move forward the counsel, uh, and then uh, that bridge to the ones that inform our will, the fortitude, the fear of the Lord, the piety. How have you experienced those in your life, and how has the Holy Spirit allowed you to use those gifts to grow closer in your relationship with Christ and to help others grow closer to Christ as well, just like those original apostles in the early church? Have you been able to use those gifts of the Holy Spirit to lead others to Christ? You can call in and share your story, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife@relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom, a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. And we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Coming up this Sunday is the Feast of Pentecost, and that's that birthday of the Church. And along with the birthday of the Church, along with us being able to be members of the body of Christ, be members of the Church by virtue of our baptism, well, we get those gifts, you know? It's not a birthday if you don't have presents, right? So uh, we have those gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we've been examining. Those we've gone through the first three: wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And if you've missed any part of the conversation, if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first part of today's show. And you can find the podcast for the Inner Life online at relevantradio.com or through our Relevant Radio app. It's a free download on your mobile device, your smartphone, your tablet, whichever one. But uh, go and download the podcast because it's a really good conversation about these gifts of the Holy Spirit and Father Bruno. As we continue, uh, those first three, we talked about they inform the intellect, and then there's that bridge of a gift of the Holy Spirit counsel before we look at the next three, which will inform our will. And so let's let's, uh, look at the gift of counsel. What is that? Sure. The gift of counsel is the bridge between the intellect and the will, and it can be called right reason and action, and it is what we also called divine prudence. It enables us to choose what is pleasing to God and good for ourselves. Now, I've quoted St. Thomas Aquinas uh, several times, and once again, Thomas Aquinas says that the gift of counsel perfects the moral virtue of prudence. And prudence, St. Thomas Aquinas says there are three different steps to make a prudential choice or action, and it is deliberation, decision, and action. Those are the three Thomistic steps in which counsel is going to help to perfect your decision-making. So 
deliberation, that's a technical theological word, which means to think it through seriously. And then after you have deliberated, you, you pondered, you thought it through, then after that you have to decide between maybe two different options. And then uh, the last would be that of, Aquinas says, the imperation of the will, which is a technical theological way of saying you've got to carry it out. And if you don't have those three different steps of prudence, which is perfected by counsel, you are not using your mind to reflect, and also you might end up by becoming a perpetual procrastinator. You know what you have to do, but you have to carry it out. Now, we have a lot of um, parents that are listening to us. This is very, very important today, the virtue, the, the gift of counsel, perfecting prudence, in helping your children to choose the right college that they're going to go to, number one. Second is, what is, going, what is their profession or vocation? And most important is parents really help their children to choose their vocation. Are they called to the single life? Are they called to the married life? Or are they called to the priest of the religious life. So counsel is indispensable for, for parents that are giving their children uh, proper advice. And of course, Josh, myself as a priest, we're always, as spiritual director and as well as confessor, we're always exercising this, um, this uh, gift of counsel. Right. So that would be kind of in a nutshell, counsel, and we... I like to connect a lot of these gifts to the to the Blessed Mother. One of the titles for the Blessed Mother, which is given by St. Augustine, is Our Lady of Good Counsel. So we turn to Our Lady of Good Counsel that she'll help us to make right decisions. A wrong decision could be catastrophic. Or the right decision can, can put us on the highway to holiness. And then we have the other three, which perfect the will. And uh, we start with fortitude. Fortitude gives us strength. Strength to do our duties well. well. And it gives us especially, it, perf- it perfects the virtue of patience. We all need patience. We need patience in our dealing with others, especially in our family. We need patience in dealing with ourselves, but also we've got to be patient in the way God works with us. Sometimes we want to do things quickly, go beyond what God wants to do to, to rush God. And if you really want to see the, the gift of fortitude manifested to the highest degree, then you meditate upon the death of the martyrs like a Maria Goretti or a Colby or any of the martyrs, they lived out to the highest degree the gift of fortitude. Then there is the gift of piety. Now, if you know your your spiritual theology well, the gift of piety is not the virtue of piety. They're two different things. The piety is, it helps us 
to recognize that God is our loving Father. So when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, God is our loving Father, and it's a filial trust that we should have in our loving Father. But also, the gift of piety refers also to our relationship to our brothers and sisters, such that if God is our loving Father, then all of us, if we say, Our Father who art in heaven, all of us are brothers and sisters. So any type of racism or prejudice toward another person is diametrically opposed to the gift of piety. And uh, finally, we've arrived at the last uh, gift of the Holy Spirit, which is probably the one that is least understood, and it's called fear of the Lord. And this It inspires us with reverence and respect for God and all things relating to him and inspires us with a filial fear of giving him offense. So the gift of fear of the Lord, which the Bible says is the beginning of wisdom, is uh, very much related to the virtue of humility. In this sense, that fear of the Lord inspires within us a desire not to hurt God by committing sin. It also inspires within us the humility in the sense that we recognize that we are very, very weak, such that St. Therese said that she was capable of committing the most horrendous sins in the world if God's grace were not accompanying her. St. Therese also said, the reason why I didn't commit... so many sins is because God cleared the path. St. Philip Mary, whose feast they were going to be celebrating in, in about 10 days, he said when he was a lay person, God, place your arm on Philip lest he betray you. Then once he became a priest, he said, Lord, place both of your arms on Philippe lest he betray you. And Philip Nair once was walking through the streets of Rome and he saw there was a there was a man thrown in the gutter and he said, There go I, save the grace of God. So the fear of the Lord, um, it really helps us to be humble and not to trust in ourselves, but to trust in God. As the psalm points out, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So kind of, Josh, in a nutshell, we've gone at a pretty pretty quick pace. We've explained um, the bridge gift council, which connects the intellect with the will. And we've uh, explained the other three, fortitude, knowledge, rather, rather fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord, which perfects our will. So in a nutshell, there we have the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you for the explanation and for just so much information there on each one of those, Father. Um, As we're down to our last couple of minutes here, I also thought it might be good to look at the Feast of Pentecost itself. You know, we've got where we see the uh, there that early church. There's all those people that are gathered together, and the Holy Spirit comes in on that, that Feast of Pentecost, 
and there's that rushing wind and these tongues of flame or fire that rest upon the apostles, and then they receive the Holy Spirit. We really, I, I've never been in a situation like that, you know, that doesn't happen at any of the baptisms of my children, but there's still that sacrament that happens where they receive the Holy Spirit. And so for each one of us, um, how can we, in a real way, understand and grow in that relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's a good question. Uh, I think it's important that before you arrive at Pentecost, which, as you said at the beginning of the program, is the birthday of the Church, we have to recognize what was going on before those nine days came to a conclusion. Well, they were in the, up, they were in the upper room. Uh, they were with the Blessed Virgin Mary, who's the mystical spouse of the Holy Spirit. They were in silence. They were in prayer, and also they were fasting, which means that they were practicing penance. So all of those elements brought about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Is that they had a, a nine-day retreat, you might say. They were present with the Blessed Virgin Mary. When you're with Mary, you're always in good company. But there was silence. Um, if we don't have silence, we can't hear the Word of God. But also, um, if we don't practice some type of penance, mortification, they say without the ascetical life, you don't arrive at the mystical life. All of that resulted in the wind, seemed to be an earthquake, and then the tongues of fire settled upon the head of the apostles and Mary, and they were transformed. Here we see you know, Peter, who denied our Lord, three times that Holy Thursday, he gets up, and the Pentecost homily that Peter gives is so powerful that it results in the conversion and baptism of 3,000 souls. Peter, who denied Allah three times, now he preaches, and there are 3,000 souls that are converted yeah. for baptism. So that's, that's pretty we, powerful there, Father. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Father, we're down to just about our last 20 seconds here of the hour. Could I ask you to offer everyone listening uh, your blessing? Yes. Through the intercession of Mary, most holy, God's angels, and saints, may God bless you with peace, joy, long life, and eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Ed Broom, a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, thank you so much for being our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. Thank you for listening. Also want to say welcome to any of you who are listening on seven of our new stations out there. Listeners in Florida, Indiana, Missouri, in McAllen, and Harlingen, Texas. Uh, so glad to have you joining us here, and uh, hope you really receive encouragement and joy and spiritual benefit from listening to Relevant Radio. Welcome to the Relevant Radio family. And, of course, want to encourage you to stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up next. And uh, right after that, we've got Class After Mass. It's The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. And we'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.